They took away my stool again. So I feel so short. I thought maybe we could ask one of the servers to lay down and I'd stand on top of them. <laughs> Yesterday, I was getting all ready for the Mass and you would think that a priest who's leading an entire mission would know what gospel was read this Sunday. But I didn't. And I prepared the wrong gospel. And so yesterday, I kind of just rambled. Today, though, thank goodness I had a little time to prepare something. I think the overarching thing we are supposed to take from today, or principle we're supposed to take from today, is faith. All the readings are about faith. And faith is often a very misunderstood word. The first reading about Abraham, and, and anytime Abraham is mentioned in the scriptures, we know immediately the Bible is talking about faith. He is called the father of faith. And why? Because he was an incredible man of faith. The stuff he did was crazy. God called him at a very young age of 80 to get up and leave. Just leave. He said, go into the, the land of the Chaldeans. And you know, I just picture Abraham, I sometimes whenever I pray, I put myself in the, the shoes of these biblical characters. And I'd be like, why? And God's like, because I said. But you know, like I'm a little kid, like why? I'm, everything's good here. He says, no, you have to leave. And this tells us something very important about faith. You know, when we think of faith, I think we often think it's about things we believe in. And that's an aspect of faith, but I think the deeper understanding of faith is it's an attitude. It's a whole way of life, a whole way of being. And that type of being is trust and surrender. Abraham has no idea where he's going. He has no map. There's no clear plan. There's, no, there's nothing. And yet he trusts. We have a God of adventure. He loves to summon us to something we know nothing about and then to do amazing things through us. But so many of us don't want to do that. And that's kind of been the overarching principle of this, this mission. We like our comforts. We like to stay grounded. And God is saying, let's go on this high spiritual journey. And everybody's like, why does it have to be like that? And the only answer I have for you is because that's what makes good stories. I mean, think about the greatest stories. They don't know what they're doing, where they're going. The Lord of the Rings, the Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, heck, even modernize it a little bit, right? I mean, like Gladiator. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just wants to avenge his wife's death and his kid's death. And he goes from one thing to the next. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's never going to survive this. And then he chops some guy's head off. The Bible stories. They're stories of great adventure. Where people don't know where they're going, what they're doing. You know, I had the opportunity to do this once. I went to Medjugorje. And when I went there, my buddies, this is when I was in seminary. My buddies are like, when you go, don't take anything. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? And they're like, don't take anything. You have to take your passport and your ticket, and that's it. No money, no credit cards, no clothes, no nothing. And I'm like, that's insane. And they're like, just try it. Mary will take care of you. I'm like, all right. 
I figured I'm only going to be able to do this once, give it a shot, so I did it. And like when I got on the boat on the coast of Italy going over to Bosnia with a passport, and I was on the boat, I'm like, what did I just do? I have nothing. Nothing. And so I just said, all right, Mary, you said you'd take care of us, take care of me. I'm trusting you. And when I showed up, I had no idea where I was going, what I was doing. I just knew there was this house, it was called Chinacolo, which means the Senecal, the upper room. And that's where they take like people who are prostitutes, drug dealers, and they rehabilitate them through work, prayer, and mass. And so I went there. I didn't know where to go. So I showed up and I'm like, hey, do you guys have anywhere to stay? <laughs> and they're like, no, you're not a drug dealer, are you? And I'm like, no, like you can't stay here then. I said, well, do you know anywhere? And he's like, no, like, don't you have a place to stay? I was like, no, Mary said she was going to take care of me. And so I just, he's like, just sit here. So I sat down in the chapel and I'm like, what am I doing? And all of a sudden around the corner come two priests from America that I know. And they're like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, what are you doing here? And they're like, we're just on pilgrimage together, praying. And they're like, oh. And they're like, hey, do you need a place to stay? I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, we got an extra room at the place we're staying. I'm like, great. <laughs> so they had a place to stay. And they're like, well, do you have any money? I said, no. And they're like, why did you do that? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Thought it'd be a good idea. <clears throat> and it ended up that, like, I got all the leftovers. So I wasn't eating really well, but I was eating. I was alive. And it was one of the most powerful trips I've ever taken. You know what? I was taken care of the whole time. It was really, really amazing. And that's what I think God wants to do to us. He wants to lure us in, in a very loving way, into this attitude of trust. Trust knows no limits, no bounds. And we're meant to see this in the gospel. Not just Abraham. And everybody's like, oh, Abraham, he's such an awesome guy. He has such an awesome story. That guy never suffered or anything. Really? Think about Isaac. We forget about Isaac? Asked to kill his own son. And yet he trusts. In the transfiguration, we see two of the greatest symbols of our faith. Moses and Elijah. And then Jesus himself. These are two, Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest adventures maybe ever lived. Can you imagine being Moses? And God says, you go to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, remember, Pharaoh wants to kill him. So you go to Pharaoh. And you tell him that... He's going to let 450,000 people and their livestock go. You go to Pharaoh and say, all your slaves, I'm going to take them and we're going to leave. And Moses said, really? You know, I try to picture these, these, these conversations. You know, the Bible's like, yes, Lord. You know, I think it was more like, what? You realize he wants to kill me, right? And God's like, yeah, you just go. Just trust me. Okay, okay. And he goes and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And he's like, I knew it. <laughs> I mean, this is way too easy, Lord. <laughs> he's not just going to let these guys go. And so, G so God says, go back. Tell them about these plagues. I mean, can you imagine staying at the river, the Nile River, and saying, God said, if I hit this with my staff, it's going to turn into blood. <laughs> like, with my staff? You know? I mean, but he does it. Boom. And it turns into blood. And then he's standing before the Red Sea. The, the Egyptians are coming. They're pursuing him. The people are like, ah, you know, and Moses is like, ah. And God says, it's okay. 
Split the sea. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, we, I think we've got to get into the, the minds of these biblical characters so we understand the power of faith and the depth of faith that they had. Because he does, he puts his hands up, and boom, the sea splits. I mean, just to fathom. And then throughout the, throughout the desert and all the things he has to go through, the amount of trust he has to have. Elijah, think about Elijah. Elijah just got up and left everything. Everything. He didn't know where he was going, what he was doing. God just said, I'll figure it out, don't worry. And it's not like things got better, by the way. Right? He was in a three-year drought, which he had to tell everybody about. So God says, go to the people and say, for the next three years, it's going to be a drought. Why? Well, because I said so. So everybody hates him. And then after the drought, he goes and he kills 450 prophets. And then Jezebel wants him dead. So he runs for 40 straight days to a mountain. And halfway there, he sits under a tree and he says, God, just take my life. And God says, no, there's so much more you have to do, Elijah. Both of these men, Moses, Elijah, they just trust. And what does Jesus teach us over and over and over again? Trust in the Father. Trust in the Father. It's all about the Father. Do we believe that he is our father, that he wants what's best for us? Because if we do, then no matter what happens in our life, our faith should grow stronger. And you can sit up and say, Father, that's easy for you to say. You don't, you don't understand the suffering I've been. That's right, I don't. But I have suffered. I do know pain. And I do know that he's a father. And as these things happen, we grow stronger. He's training us. I truly believe, my friends, that there is a persecution coming. Maybe I'm this doomsday kind of guy. But there is one. It's already here, and it's just going to get worse. And he needs us. He needs you to be strong in your faith. And so he's training us. Cardinal Newman once said, Lord, give me enough light just for the next step. To be in relation with the God of adventure is to be in the dark. We're not in control, and that's okay. He is. But we must pray with all of our beings for the gift of faith. Like the apostles, they begged the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. Or the father of the possessed boy, I believe, help my unbelief, Lord. Don't hang on and cling to control, but have trust and faith. And sometimes you really got to wonder. I want to end with just this quick story. You really got to wonder. This is really trivial. But uh, when I was about four or five years ago, I bought a new car. And uh, I love this car. It was great. 2009 Subaru Legacy. And uh, it was awesome. When I got home, the first thing I did is I blessed it. You know, I went and got my holy water. And I, and I, you know, I thought like I'd sprinkle the magic water, wave my hand, and nothing bad would ever happen to me ever again. And so I said, Jesus, I said this price to Jesus, this is my car. But I don't ever want it to become an attachment. And so, Lord, you just do, you just make sure that never happens. Amen. And then I went like 100 miles an hour down the highway. <clears throat> I was so happy. I bought pizza and took it over to a good buddy's, buddy's uh, house. Kids were like, yeah, Father Waltz is awesome. And I'm like, yeah. And then they were all eating pizza and I'm eating pizza. <clears throat> Pulled in, showing the car. They're like, oh, great car. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. And then we're sitting there and his wife, 
She's like, okay, I got to take off. I have practice at the church. And I was like, great. Okay, see you later. I'm just going to sit here and talk with Doug. And uh, about two minutes later, three minutes later, she comes back in. She's like, hey, father, can I get your keys? I need to move your car. You're blocking me. And I'm like, eh. And Doug's like, detachment. I'm like, yeah, take him. Wreck it, destroy it, whatever, I don't care. I'm not attached to that thing. So she moves, comes back, gives me the keys, leaves. About five minutes later, she calls, and I can hear through the phone her sobbing. And, and, and I hear Doug, and he's like, no, it's, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm like, what's okay? And he's like, no, I, he'll understand. I'm like, understand what? What am I going to understand, Doug? And he said, he hangs up the phone, he's like, Father, um, you remember when you said to my wife she could crash your car? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, she did. <laughs> Here she did not move my, she moved my car, but she first backed into it. With a truck. And when, I mean, I went outside and the hood was buckled. And I was like, you know, I always wondered when I was going to get that first ding. I thought the heck of a ding. And I remember sitting, literally, I drove home. It was less than 24 hours my car was back in the shop where I bought it from being fixed. And I'm like, Lord, really? I mean, I blessed it. Remember I did the magic hand and the crazy magic water? Remember that? And God's like, yeah, you idiot. I'm trying to get you to detach from it. I'm like, oh. So sometimes that pain, sometimes that struggle, sometimes those, those things that we just don't understand... It's God saving us. It's God saving us. And in the end, you guys, if this life is all about the next, if it's all about heaven, then in some weird way, the Christian, the Catholic, is excited about dying. I know that sounds weird, but seriously, I'm ready. I'm 34. I said, Jesus, I'm ready. If you want to take me, I'm ready to go. Let's rock and roll. I mean, if not, I'll stay here. I love it here, too. I said, I always said, if I'm not dead by 65, I'm going to Iraq with a crucifix. <laughs> Maybe that's politically incorrect. I don't think so. But I have a deep desire for heaven. And we all should too. And we have to realize that everything that happens to us in this life is training us, preparing us for the next.